You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of The Art of Parenting. And today is a special episode because I have decided to take a pause for the summer. So this is the last uh, episode of interviews of great conversations until uh, probably the fall of 2020. So I am recording this on June 25th, 2020. You will be hearing this episode on June 29th. And just wanted to give you a heads up that um, I invite you to just go back to episode one. There's uh, 45 episodes to to listen to all these wonderful conversations I've had these past nine months, and I hope you enjoy them. But for today, I have a wonderful guest, Beth Berry. And Beth and I connected, I want to say, about four years ago when she was on Be the Best Parent You Can Be uh, interview series, and we had a lovely conversation then. And today, um, I have Beth back because she has just come out with a book called Motherwhelmed, Challenging Norms, Untangling Truths, and Restoring Our Worth to the World. And this speaks to me as a a parenting mentor and as a mother myself. And so I am just very, very excited to have Beth back. And Beth, welcome and thank you for making the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. All right. So, Beth, as with all of my guests, I like to start with a simple question of how do you define the art of parenting? Hmm. Um, well, I guess I would define the art of parenting as really a combination of the art of of child rearing and the art of being a woman who is also a mother. Uh, it feels to me that, that those are both really important. Um, the, the art of, the art of parenting, the art of mothering, I don't think can be separated out from, uh, the art of, uh, being a whole person, a whole woman in the world without consequence <laughs> to mm-hmm, ourselves mm-hmm. and also ultimately to our children. So I think that's sometimes overlooked when we look at the art of parenting, that so much of that is is caring for ourselves and our own needs so that we can then um, be who our children need us to be. Without that piece, uh, I think we are often, uh, we often fall short and, and then also don't even enjoy 
the parenting uh, experience as much. So uh, I would say it's that there's a sweet spot and intersection between the care of our children and the care of ourselves that I would call the art form uh, that that intersection. Yes, definitely, and and that is so true. You know, the the because when you when you say that, I hear that you know resounding self care and and the the resounding of not losing ourselves in our parenting journey. Yeah, absolutely. And that we it's so easy to get focused on the needs of everyone in our family and the needs mm-hmm. around us, and and actually to. Uh, the the old narrative really it seems for many of us what many of us grew up with is that um that we don't we're not supposed to need anything as mothers actually it looks you you know like you're a good mother if you don't need anything and i just think that that's um not really true <laughs> i don't think you right know. right it's that that notion of sacrifice is is yeah yeah and uh seasons that where in which more sacrifice is needed you know the postpartum period there's a lot of sacrifice there, but as a lifestyle and as a sense like identity around being self-sacrificial, I think is, is actually pretty dangerous. Yes. Yes. And, and this actually, when you're, when you say mothering, what, what is your definition of mothering? Is it, is it the, the women that, that carry and birth children or can it be can it be wider than that where it's just this this notion of us you know because i i'm just thinking of myself on a personal level like there there's there's younger women to me that i feel i'm i'm somewhat of a mother to them at times mm-hmm. and so so just i i'd love to know like when you wrote this book you know your your definition of mothering yeah um so i do think that you know, I guess the way I would answer that is that there's sort of a, there's a mother archetype that, mm-hmm. that we can, uh, that, that we can tap into whether or not we've birthed children ourselves, um, and, and explore that, that, that archetype is worth exploring that what, what does that mean? What does that look like? What is its function? What is its importance within culture? And that, that, that actually is kind of, uh, worth exploring because we have, the way I see it really distorted the mother archetype within our culture that, that mother motherhood has kind of been dumbed down and made less significant than, than it really is um, because it's not celebrated as this rite of passage and that we're becoming more of a woman by becoming a mother. It's really like you lose yourself and then you're trying to get back to your maidenhood somehow. You're like, that's like mm-hmm. kind of how we're pushed. Like you're supposed to bounce back. Instead of right, instead of seeing that we are moving into a fuller version of ourselves as we become mothers, um, but that's that's not really the, what we're taught. So I do like the idea of of exploring the mother archetype and deciding like what are the qualities that 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 make a mother and and how can we come to really honor and revere those, um, and rather than. Uh, you know, buying into the cultural narrative that that mothers are the ones who are, you know, we take care of messes and we clean up the house and we wipe butts and we, you know, like break up fights. We've kind of like, that's what I mean by dumbing it down. We're not really focused right. on the essence of what we're offering to, as a to the culture to 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 humanity by looking at the tasks that we do instead of looking at the offerings 
what we're offering in the way of all, all the nurturing, all the caregiving, all of the ways that we hold and we're sort of like the found, hold the foundation of, of a healthy, any healthy society. Yes, definitely. And, and where would we be without mothers? I mean, come on, <laughs> let's be real, right? <laughs> so I, I, and, and I, and I, I apologize, but we kind of got ahead of ourselves and I, and I, didn't uh, really let you introduce yourself um, and, and really tell our listeners, you know, where, the work that you're doing and how you came uh, to, to do it, what, what called you to, to be um, this advocate for mothers. Yeah. Um, so uh, I am a mother myself. I've been a mother for 25 years. I have, I have four daughters. They are 13 uh, 15, 19, and 25. And um, I, I became a mother at age 17. And so it's been a um, such a huge part of my, it's been central to my adulthood, and to my growing sense of self and identity. So I have essentially, you know, I like found myself as a mother, and then I lost myself in motherhood. And I've since found myself again, in along this journey. Um, I work with um, mothers as a, a life coach and uh, a small group facilitator. I have an online program called Motherworthy, um, and uh, lead retreats. And my 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 main focus is really um, to exactly what I was saying before to 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 honor motherhood for what I really believe it is, and help mothers to see their their worthiness, their worth within our culture, and to reframe that. Um, and then also to to help mothers to feel empowered to to live <clears throat> fuller lives and to be wholer, more whole feeling people, um, rather than sort of uh, walking through life with all these unmet needs that <clears throat> keep us from being able to thrive, and then feeling ultimately resentful <laughs> for our positions as um, caregivers. So I work with um, dozens of mothers who are sort of awakening to their own worthiness. I would say, and um, feeling more and more empowered and being a whole person who also is a mother. Mm-hmm. And and this 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 uh, and that's fascinating to me. And and it brings up this idea of of you know when you say worthiness, is it is it that when we step into motherhood, or is it just beforehand, kind of of the culture of maybe not. Um, having much worth for women in general, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that 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 kind of intertwines in itself. So so how do you like, how does that work uh, hand in hand when you are doing the work with with these women who who are mothers? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely would say that our uh, worthiness journey starts off um, as, as, you know, for, for everyone, but in particular for, for women, we start with sort of a worthiness deficit. You know, we, we are not, um, so many women before they become mothers already don't feel worthy of having their needs met or worthy of joy or, or whatever that, that, um, so then when they become mothers and, and necessarily so much of their time and energy is spent focused on other people, and we live in a culture 
that is not supportive, very supportive of mothers, very supportive of the family unit. You have to hustle so hard and be so many, like the modern day mother has to hustle constantly to make up for the village she doesn't have, right? Yes. Ideally, children would be raised by lots of people, everyone, you know, lots of people keeping an eye out and helping to meet the needs um, physically and emotionally of, of the children. There would be a whole community. Um, and that's, that's not the case for most of us. And so the mother is essentially being the village herself in many cases. And it's, it's utterly exhausting. But then we also have this narrative that, um, that we have adopted that if we could just do more, and we could just be more and we're not doing it well enough or somehow we're inadequate. And that's why we're not, not able to keep up. And that's why mm. we're not enjoying our experience like we could, or that we feel like completely burnt out so much of the time. So there's this really toxic narrative running through the culture that and it, I actually see it as gaslighting that we are the problem that we're not doing enough. And that's the problem when really it's systemic. There's a, there's a the structure is not in place to support the the roles that we that we play. Yes, no, definitely, and and I know I've had this conversation with other guests about you know the, just the difference in culture. Like for 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 myself personally, I I birthed a child in France and one here in the U.S. and just how different the 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 culture around motherhood around uh, prenatal care, around postpartum care, all of that is, is, is different. And just, you know, here, I feel in the US, we, we just don't value um, that time in, in a woman's life, in, in family life and all of that. So right. very good point. Yeah. And I think yeah. much of that is because we, there's no monetary value, you know, because we don't, you know, no, you're not making money in the postpartum period. So what value does it have the culture? We've right, got- right, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. And, and in France, it's funny because the, the whole culture was, you know, after the world wars, it was, we needed to repopulate the, the, the France basically. And so there was such a pro family, agenda that was put in place and it still exists today uh where where we have that and it's true in this country uh there isn't any of that which which just you know blows my mind because you know what are we if we don't if we don't take care of our families so yeah yeah so so let's get a little bit uh kind of technical in a sense of how like how do you how do you do this work with mothers and to kind of to help him, them get back uh this sense of 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 worthiness or, or or maybe sometimes not even get back but just to acquire it and and to really value their worth um in society and in their families yeah um so i have a year-long program called Mother Worthy, and that program is set up um, so that we have a different theme every month. The, there are groups of start off with 12, 12 women in each group, and um, and we're meeting over Zoom. We were doing that, you know, long before quarantine, before Zoom became <laughs> so popular. Um, and 
So a lot of what's happening around the worthiness piece is that mothers are telling their stories. There's a safe place created to be real with each other. And when that happens, you start to realize, oh, I'm not alone in this. Like we're all navigating the same daily, you know, grind and shit storms. You know, it's like this is so much of this is happening for so you, as you get to know these women in, in this group and people are being real and raw and vulnerable and, and telling the truth about what they're struggling with instead of just struggling in isolation and feeling like if they were to dare voice these things, they would be seen as a bad mother. Mm-hmm. So you get real and raw like that and you realize you're not alone in it. And then you hear someone else tell a story and you start to develop a, you know, um, compassion. You, 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 lo- you start to love these women. And then you go, wait, you are totally worthy of having your needs met. Like, yeah, you need a break. You've been, you know, you're, you're listening to these women struggle and going, gosh, and it's, it's so much easier to feel compassion for other people in their struggle. And so then that eventually turns into this understanding that like, oh, if she's worthy, if I see her worthy and her worthy and her worthy, all these other women who are telling the same stories I'm telling and some other, another version of the same thing. Then, then you start to understand. Oh, like, then, then me too. You know, like we're we're all worthy of a better life than what we're than what we've been taught that we're worthy of. Um, so that's part of it. And some some there's a lot more that that goes on that I think contributes to the sense of worthiness. And a, a lot of it has to do with the themes that we choose. We talk about patriarchy, and we talk about the ways that we're um, conditioned to think. We talk about uh, we do a month on. Uh, on our bodies and body image, um, we talk about our unmet needs and the things that we need in order to feel whole. Um, and then we talk about the mother wound and we talk about um, uh, the way what it is that that what happens when you uh, lose a sense of sisterhood and um, so there's, and then we dig into like inner child work and it's always easier to see that our inner eight-year-old is worthy of joy, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. know what happened. I mean, we would never in a million years look at our children and say, no, you're not worthy of getting a break. Just work harder. Like that's, if, if, you know, some of the most powerful work that, that happens in these groups is when women start to actually develop a relationship with their inner child. And recognize that the same compassion and love that they have for their their the children they birthed that they can develop for themselves, and that that actually is um, you know like for me it's the foundation of of true self love is to to get back and start loving yourself all the way back to your childhood, and and it it shifts things because we I can look at my inner eight year old and be like yeah she's worthy of joy she's just a little girl you know like right. That's that's some of the work we do. There's there's a whole lot that I think contributes to that um, that evolution of worthiness within within. Yeah. And you know, I do a lot of that work with people one on one as well. But the 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 group work can be particularly powerful to be doing that together. Definitely, definitely. And and it's interesting what you said, you know, earlier about when you see it in somebody else, like you're, and I, and I see it in myself. Like I'm always. It's so much easier to to give advice to somebody else than to give it to yourself or to you know to to help yourself follow through when you're 
when you can do it for for your girlfriends or or even your children so yeah. fascinating yeah uh one thing you brought up and, and i if if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit on it because this is something that i've heard before and um I don't pers- personally understand what what it means when you say mother wound. Mm-hmm. What what is that that I mean I'm assuming uh that it is the relationship that we had with our own mother um and wound to me sounds like it it didn't go that well. <laughs> so just just if you could expand a little bit on that. Sure. Well, I won't pretend to be an expert in this subject. There are people who are doing really good work in this okay. um, in this realm. Uh, Bethany Webster is somebody that I would give a shout out to if you're really interested in, in getting deeper into this. But okay. the way that I have worked with this um, is that my understanding of it, um, in short, is that you know we all have re- our relationship, or most of us have had relationships with our mothers that. Um, you know, because our mothers are imperfect, because we're all imperfect, there's always some kind of content there to work with in terms of, you know, like, mm-hmm. maybe we didn't have our needs perfectly met, of course, but it's not a possibility. So, um, so, but specifically around the mother wound, what I've really taken from it that I feel is rich is that there's this idea that um, when you, like, if you look back through, um your experience of motherhood and your experience of of growing up and you realize that in where you are now for many for many people particularly in in this generation because we have access to so many um like therapeutic modalities and support systems and the internet and so many more things than our mothers did and way more than their mothers did that what's happening for a lot of people is that they're recognizing that there's a um they're sort of like outgrowing their mother, you know, like their mother was at a certain point in her own growth based on her understanding of the world, the support structure she had in place. And then often the women in our generation are, are because we have so much more support, uh, taking it further and, and, and doing more personal healing work and, you know, personal growth and have more self um, knowledge and self-awareness. And so that, can can create a real conflict in the mother daughter bond where the mother can sometimes feel threatened by that like you're so there's there can be some tension there where either we stay where our mothers are and don't and don't go beyond where she was because it feels like it would be a threat to her you know or somehow disrespecting her or we go beyond and we risk uh damaging the relationship with our mother so that's a that's a, a real oversimplification of it, but it's basically like the way it, it illuminates the power of the mother daughter relationship, and how that, um, and how many ways that we can potentially either like by by examining that relationship um, and understanding how how it works for us in each of us in, as individuals that we can start to see some of the ways we hold ourselves back mm. and, and ways that we can actually do, do healing work around it so that we can continue to do, to move forward in our own growth um, without uh, that fear. Cause it's kind of a primal fear of not wanting to, um, uh, to offend our mother or to, to, to have her 
be against us in a way. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And, And for me, it's interesting because, you know, I often find myself mentoring uh, mostly mothers. I mean, I have, you know, parents, but I, I will say it's mostly mothers who are always with this dilemma of, you know, like you say, we have access to more information. And I think parenting, you know, discipline, education and all that has is evolving, is evolving very fast. So we have new tools. We have a, a better understanding of what our children need. And sometimes I, I, you know, I sense this real conflict of, you know, but my parents don't understand the way I'm raising my child. Right. And that that, you know, that that becomes this this conflict. So I do, you know, I do work with the whole family sometimes if if they want me to. So I can I can explain, you know, kind of the new theories and all of that. But it it's I can understand where that could get in the way and and it's interesting because when you were talking about it, I, I actually um, became a, a motherless daughter uh, when I was 40. So I had just had my second child. And so I've basically parented without my mother uh, around. And, and I just, I was thinking when you were talking, like how different it would be if she was around, like if she was giving me her advice or, you know, reflecting on things like how how that would be that's fascinating yeah fascinating yeah. and yeah. It, i think it's more there's more going on in the subconscious realm when it comes to our relationship with our mothers than we know <laughs> you know there's sure. a lot there's a lot there's a lot there to examine if you you know dig into it sure 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 wonderful so um one one thing you know when you say about this this notion of worthiness and and you know yes i am worthy to have a break and take time and all this but how do we do that like how do we uh you know are 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 able to actually take care of ourselves when we have a family to take care of mhm yeah um so it's such a tricky one, right? Because mm-hmm. um, living in single-family households, the, the setup isn't there. It's not. It's not right. a great setup to begin with. So we're kind of like fighting the system just to get our basic needs met, you know. And we're right. It's really, um, it's a really unfortunate thing because this is the time, like, if we just examine the postpartum period, for example, it's a time when we actually need the most support we've ever needed in some, you know, for many of us, we, we, we need the community taking care of us. And yet we're being tasked with creating community while yes. taking care of a newborn and all the things that come with that. So it's, it's counterproductive, but I do believe that um, the part of it really starts with believing ourselves, believing that we actually are worthy of having our needs met so that we can then start to take small steps toward doing that. And, you know, one, one way that I like to work with this is just to actually, um, to get real about what our needs are. There's so many people who, um, kind of freeze up when we even look at it, like, you know, either I don't need anything or I feel embarrassed that I need this, you know, Mm. or that we're so accustomed as mothers to asking for the very, very bare minimum. Like I worked with a client not too long ago who, Um, it took a couple of sessions and we finally, she finally came to the realization that she really, really did need some time away from her kids. She felt guilty even saying it, 
you know, but she really needed some regular time away. And so we started brainstorming ways that that could, um, that that could happen. And she decided, well, okay, then I'm going to take 30 minutes on Saturday morning to go, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, the fact that she, and then when we broke that down a little bit, it was going to take her 10 minutes to get to her location, you know, before then she's got five minutes or 10 minutes to hang out and do whatever she wanted to do. And then 10 minute drive home. She'd given herself a 10 minute break, you know, with 10 minute drive time on on either side. Um, Because again, she, there was something in her blocking her from actually getting the need met well. So like to meet our needs well, well, actually she might need a whole Saturday morning every week, you know, and, and to be really mindful and to be paying attention to what happens in your body when you think about asking for a whole morning, a whole morning, once a week, you know, is that asking too much? Would it be, would it be asking too much if, you know, if you were advising your grown daughter, would you say that one morning a week away from her kids was asking too much? Usually people would say, no, it's not too much when it's someone else we love, but for ourselves, you know, um, so, so that's so much of it is to be able to figure out what do we need? Do I need more time with my girlfriends, you know, to go out and have fun? Do I need to be alone in my home without my family there? Because for so many women, I hear this all the time that I don't want to go, I don't want time away from the kids where I have to leave the house. I want them to leave so I can be home. <laughs> so true, so true. And like we get to need these things. The, the, these are the thing, the basic things we need in order to feel to thrive in the world. And it's it's not asking too much. Um, so then logistically, it becomes about figuring out creative ways to make connections with people, like. You know, whether it's there was a there was a stretch of my own life when I was um, had four little kids at home that uh, one of my good friends at the time had five kids. She she had all daughters as well. So we had nine daughters between us, um, Wow! which, you know, like we got in this <clears throat> rhythm where um, we <laughs> she would drop her five kids at my house. And it would just be full on, you know, like nine girls playing in the backyard. But they were having such a blast together, you know, because it's just like a big pack of kids playing. And I would just have to keep like throwing more snacks out. And then they were more or less content in the backyard playing, whatever. And then I would get a break and drop my my four off at her house. And we we just we had a similar enough you know, parenting style. And we, we had already had our butts kicked by that point with so many kids. So we weren't, weren't being super idealistic about how any of it went. We were just glad for the break and we would drop the kids. And while it may sound like total chaos to watch nine kids, they were, they were playing together. They were happy, but then I would exactly full break often. And so we just, we set up uh, something that worked for us. And what did, I did lots of like swapping of, of kids back and forth. Um, when I was, when I was raising little ones. Um, we, we also like so much of this comes down to inequity and partnerships. Um, and to be, to really start looking at, are we, are both parents, if there are two parents in a home, are both parents really investing in the parenting piece? Um, 
and in the investment of, in the children that doesn't have to be in the same ways, but are we really both putting in the time because we are still coming, you know, like we're not that far from the 1950s. We're not far from this model of the woman stays home and does all the home related tasks and child rearing. The, the husband goes away and works and provides the money and that that's perfectly acceptable. We're not that far from that, you know? Um, so We've got to recognize that we have a lot of uh, even modern, empowered women who see ourselves as feminists. Lots of us have a lot of conditioning that keeps us from actually um, having equitable partnerships. There's usually a lot of conversations that need to be had around it. I even just asking for more support and like, hey, how about if you put the kids to bed one night and I put them to bed the next night and we get into this rhythm? Um, and, uh, I think it's, I think that one of the challenges there is that many mothers, particularly stay home moms, um, there's so much identity that, that, that when motherhood becomes the, the principal and primary and sometimes singular identity, then what am I, if I'm not doing everything all the time, like, what's my value then? You know, like there's right, right. value around the self-sacrificial mother, like that becomes an archetype itself. Um, so, it, so there's some fear sometimes around giving away some of that because then, then what am I? If I, you know, like if I have no other identity that I've continued to develop as a woman. Right. And to me, it's important to note that, you know, the, the, women or or the or the men I, I will say who choose to be the partner that is staying at home to care for the children that they can still have an identity other than the sole you know uh parent that is that is home mm -hmm. um to, to me that that's that's important to know because it's true that there's there's this you know like like you say this this identity i mean there's even an acronym for you know stay at home moms mm -hmm. and it seems like that has become the only identity that they have and to me these are still you know intellectual uh you know creative musicians what whatever they they they're also doing to to feed their own souls mm -hmm. um so so fascinating and there was something else too oh yes the fact that um so like i said at the beginning uh this is june 2020 and we are still uh dealing with a global pandemic and uh many of us have had to stay home and that has meant that both parents have been home with all the children because schools have been closed and everything and i did read about how the you know what you were saying about the relationship is is still very unequal because even with both parents at home women are still finding themselves you know even if they're having to deal with their own work and everything they're they're still the ones that are kind of carrying more of the burden of the homeschooling and the you know the cooking and all of that have you found that to be true as well Absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's causing a whole lot of frustration right now among my clients. I, I can't. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Hot topic. Um, and, and a lot of it is just it kind of maddening because what it largely comes down to is that um, the, if the parent, you know, often the, if the husband is making more money, then he's there's more justification for him to like sneak away 
to the bedroom and, un- and do his work in uninterrupted. Then if someone is making less money, but also doing the child rearing, then they're expected to do their work on t- with, with the children underfoot, you know? So it, again, we're like always coming back to money being the central uh, theme that we actually kind of like focus our worthiness around. Um, and I hear this too among people, women who um, aren't having their needs very well met, aren't getting many breaks, that they actually feel like I'm not worthy of it because he's making the money. So he should get the breaks or he, you know, like if I'm, if I'm not providing income, I'm just a stay home mom, you know, as if, as if it doesn't have value, but, but right. it doesn't have monetary value. We don't act. It feels like the, the women that I see who come through my practice, who um, are actually having their needs better met almost across the board, it's because they're making money and then they feel justified in buying the massage, you know, get paying for the babysitter. But if the money is from money, the, the money that, that he is making to alleviate her burden as a mother, it doesn't somehow, we, we, we don't give that permission culturally. And that's crazy because we go back to my, my very first question was about this disparity of, of, you know, women as a whole and we know that in our society women are paid less even if they're doing the same job Mm -hmm. so it's a vicious circle isn't it yep kind of keeps us keeps us stuck and constantly doing even the emotional labor of trying to figure that out like okay then what do we do about this it's it's a lot it's a lot yeah yeah and it's interesting because you know if if like you say the the there's no monetary value on doing all of the work that needs to be done of of you know keeping our children alive and well fed and taking them places and all of that but if you if you you know go away for a month then well somebody's going to have to do it and you're probably going to have to pay somebody to do it right mm-hmm. so exactly. yeah interesting interesting mm-hmm. um well, this has been this has been lovely, and I'm and I'm so glad that we reconnected. And I would just love to end with um, a question. And, and I guess I I, I kind of have two questions because the fact that you have raised four daughters, um, and you are doing this work with mothers across the globe, how? How how do you feel you are raising your your daughters differently than maybe the way you were raised? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I would say that I'm doing differently is that I I really do um, I I my kids are watching me um, focus not only on them but also on myself. You know, like mm. they they see that I have. I'm well supported, you know, I, I have like my friends and I take those, those friendships seriously. I spend time with them. I have hobbies, you know, I go dancing I go hiking. Um, and I, I, you know, I do yoga every day. Like there are things that I'm doing to care for myself and they don't always get centered in, you know, if they have needs, that's great. Everyone's needs are considered in the mix, not just theirs. Um, that is something that my mother uh, also did. Um, she did take care of herself. There were a lot of things she modeled really well in that regard. Um, uh, but you know, I guess I guess another another big one is that um, 
my kids are, are, they have seen me go through divorce and, uh, and become, you know, sort of like do things myself and, and have to like figure it out, piece things together and, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'm kind of flailing on this question. That's okay. That's okay. Because it was kind of a twofold question in, in that I usually end my interview with just asking asking you, what would you tell your, your younger self? So you said your eldest was 25. So your you know your your younger self and you were quite young at 17 what what wise words would you have liked to hear or 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 you know you would tell yourself today knowing all that you know about uh about this journey of parenting and and motherhood what what would be those wise words that you would want to hear um i think that i would tell my younger self that um that though it feels like the the baby's needs and the young children's needs are the most important thing ever and that though my that though her instincts are so attuned to them that also that my own needs as a young mother matter a lot and that that actually I think it would come back to the worthiness that she's worthy of feeling good that she's worthy of feeling strong and that um, all that maternal love and wiring that has her uh, willing to sacrifice it all for the well-being of the, of the kids, um, that that is, that is wonderful and beautiful and, and important and, and admirable, but it's not sustainable. <laughs> that that it's simply self-sacrifice isn't sustainable uh that that I would that I would I just have a lot of compassion for myself as a young mother because I was so idealistic and I was so certain that if I just did more and did it even better that I could just I could create this sort of utopia for my for my family for my kids and um reality found me <laughs> you know it, <laughs> as it will um, but I, I just have a lot of compassion for that version of myself because I was so hard on myself. Um, and I, you know, I would just love to like scoop her up and like give her a break. I would, I would, I would be parenting more communally, um, and less in isolation. I would give myself way more permission to get support in any form and not feel like that meant I wasn't a strong enough mother, you know, that actually there's a lot of strength in asking for support. Yes, yes, that that is beautiful and so so important. So, all of you listening, whether you're you're expecting, thinking about having children or or, or new parents, please you know hear those wise words and 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 act on them because it is so so important. Oh, Beth, any any parting last words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I guess I'll just say that my my book was published in May and uh, I go into all of this in depth and you can find it on Amazon in paperback and Kindle and also um, on Audible. I read it for Audible. So um, if you're if if any of this resonates, um, I tell a lot of my mothering story and a lot of perspectives on why modern day motherhood feels so frustrating and so disempowering and uh, what what I think we can do about it. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'll have all those links 
uh, in the show notes. So, so wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for making the time to be here with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.